your host, Alex Kessler, here with my co-host, Ben Bateman. What up? What up? So excited in the pre-show talking Zelda with you. Got me nostalgic for my love. We of, talked uh, about everything. We talked we literally did. about everything during the pre-show. So it, it, it furthers the idea that if you and I had infinite time, we would have just like a movie podcast, which I know we tried at one point on here. We just gave up after like two weeks. But I, I know that like we could do it without trying or thinking. <laughs> There's a version of just like taking this pre-show and like making it unlisted on Patreon or like I, I don't patrons. I please let us know if you appreciate it. So for those who don't know, we do about a, a 15 to 40 minute. This today was a 40 minute long. Normally, it's like 10 to 20 minute long uh, pre-show where we talk about non-magic content. Normally, it's about movies and TV and whatever we're doing. Highly recommend it. It's really cool. Uh, it's like anyone who's paying, I think, a $5 Patreon tier or above, and maybe actually $2 tier now. I think we moved it down because um, the plan is to add some more Patreon features uh, coming up, uh, including early access to edited videos. But it's an unedited version of the video that has an entire extra like 20 minutes at the beginning on Patreon. So check that out. It's cool. We talked about Zelda, Star Wars, Nintendo, Marvel, Mars Attacks, <laughs> literally everything. Uh, M. Night Shyamalan. Um, so I recommend that for sure. But uh, today, uh, so Kamigawa spoilers have started. Now, we are recording this last week, uh, so you're all in the future. And so we don't know what cards are going to be in it and what's going on yet. So uh, or two weeks ago, we kind of mentioned, as we were looking back at Kamigawa, like all the other sets that we could revisit. And we realized that, like, oh, that would be a kind of a cool, infor- uh, cool conversation. So today, we are looking back at all of the planes that we haven't revisited in modern. So, so from Mirrodin onward, and old stuff like Wrath or Muldrotha, I think, or Muldrotha or whatever it is, and or like wherever Homelands takes place, uh, Arabian Nights. Uh, we won't touch upon those, uh, but we will be touching on anything that's in modern uh, and kind of going through. Uh, what we thought of, not what we necessarily thought of those sets, but like, do we want to return? What was cool about those sets? And uh, what do we think would happen during a return? Yeah, sounds like a good show to me. I love all all the sets. All the sets that you talked about that we won't be touching on are sets that I love nostalgically, but I don't love them from the point of view that I actually have much to say. So I'm glad we're just doing the modern sets. I think it makes more sense. There's mechanics and themes that were not as well fleshed out in the old sets, frankly. They just, they didn't really have as deep of a, a kind of an idea of what they were so um yeah i think we'll be talking about that a uh, big time thank you really quickly to our patrons uh patreon.com slash the mmcast uh pinkies up the nobles of the house modern uh, we always appreciate your guys support and uh if you guys are patrons you can look forward to some pretty cool stuff we've been doing if you if you tune into twitch.tv slash kess wiley on sundays at 2 p.m i started doing a weekly two-hour competitive modern stream 1v1 i had zach allen on this last week um, he played against me with some pretty sweet decks. He played with this uh, Esper reanimator um, or Grixis reanimator uh, Storm Herald deck that he was playing, which was really fun. He also played with uh, Amulet Titan. I was playing with a couple cool decks as well. I played against, I played the Yorion Rhinos deck. Uh, it was a lot of fun. Anyway, those are going to be going up on the YouTube channel afterwards. So make sure you're subscribed if you're listening to this, youtube.com slash the MMcast network. Uh, but most importantly, we're going to be putting them up once a week. So if you don't get to watch live and you want to see some hour long at a time, modern gameplay, it will be up there. We're going to find a way pretty quickly to start rewarding the patrons, whether they go up early or even if there's going to be extra unreleased games. It's one of the things that patrons can look forward to. We're very excited about it. Uh, yeah, no, it's 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 
we're going to be doing a pretty decent expansion of some of the content we're releasing uh, between streams and everything. And so we're, we're excited. It's, it's cool. And uh, and if you were a YouTube listener or a podcast only listener, there was like a small issue with the RSS feed. Uh, if you just search for the podcast, you can find it there again for people that are now coming to the video being like, what happened to it? It's still there. You just got to research for it and resubscribe. Sorry about that. Um, but yeah, so this all started because we're returning to Kamigawa right now. And interesting enough, that kind of makes it so that for the first era of modern, a lot of the sets we've now gone to go back to. We've gone to um, Mirrodin. Ravnica. One time. Strahd, we've, we've, yeah, yeah, Ravnica. We've been to Dominaria out of Cold Snap and Time Spiral Block. Uh, and we've been to, we're now going back to Kamigawa for the first time. And it was interesting because it was famously a not successful set. Like people did not respond to it super positively. It didn't sell very well. And for a while it was like very high in the like planes will never revisit, but it is a pretty popular plane. They've revisited in a lot of secondary content from commander product to modern horizons cards. Mechanics from it are really cool from an, an, an like aesthetic expression and like a cultural expression the world is very cool and has some unique stuff that would be really popular to revisit and so wizards final and, and through people pushing on blo mark roseroder's blog to talk about wanting to return to kamigawa we finally and eventually have returned um but there you know there are other card sets that are kind of on that list and some of them are interesting that we haven't revisited because there are some places that we come back to all the time dominaria zendikar um Ravnica. Innistrad, Ravnica are kind of like the big five, right? And and we've been to a few of those three times now in the amount of time it's going to take to return to any of the sets that we're going to mention next. And and it's sad for some of them. Some of them are really cool. Some of them they're like kind of left on a cliffhanger that didn't lead to a major storyline. Some of them are just not, you know, Wizards now is getting to visit a lot more sets because they get to do four sets a year or three sets a year, but it's still you know, shuffling new planes with returns to major storyline beats has made it a balancing act of what they can return to. I think one of the things that's really interesting about this is that when I grew up playing Magic, because I started playing at the very, very beginning, and I really played, I played to varying degrees the whole time the game's been out with small breaks. But I remember when we started into the modern era and the card face change with Mirrodin, and I remember when we started going back to sets, well, for me growing up, this wasn't something that we ever saw, right? Like we didn't go back to places because that wasn't really what the game was about. Everything was just Dominaria for the most part. So I lived through all the early sets. And to me, that's just, you know, a magic set wasn't about the plane. It was about the expansion symbol and the abilities. Like that's how I, that's how I sort of identified with magic sets. So when we started to go back to places, I remember like Scars of Mirrodin, you know, and Return to Ravnica, I was like, oh, they're... They're running out of ideas was my initial, that was like my initial thought. And then I, I look back and I realize now this is intentional. Like it's they, like, like the point of this is that like they, they want to find ways to do sequels to these things because fans like certain things. And it's not a, it's not a question of running out of ideas. It's a question of like, people don't know what they miss until it's gone. You know, like they, they don't, they don't know what they miss until they don't have it anymore. Which I think is kind of what's happened with Kamigawa. People are really excited for something that was, kind of a hated set for a very long time right right well i think that's like you revisiting things that people didn't like the first time around but like looking at what people did like and then trying to make it better is a classic human being act right like small micro spoilers for spider-man no way home uh characters return in that movie because i don't want people to have to skip uh characters return in that movie that like were from movies that were not liked <laughs> and 
the retroactive appreciation of them because they're used correctly and they're used in a good way makes you appreciate some of the stuff you like before. And like a good example is it looks like Anakin, uh, Hayden Christensen is returning for the Obi-Wan show and people are really excited by it when like <laughs> we were growing up, Hayden Christensen was not a beloved person. I mean, I still don't understand that. I do understand the nostalgia factor, but he is like single handedly the reason those movies are bad. No, he's like not. in my opinion. No, that's wrong. We don't I, get I into mean, that, but like it's the script <laughs> and the directing and Jake Lloyd, but uh, poor Jake Lloyd. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so so I do think there's like an ability to go back to stuff and revisit it in ways that make it a lot cooler or better understand what works. And, you know, I do recommend listening to that Kamigawa revisit episode because we go into all the things that worked and what to revisit versus the things that didn't. Um, I do think it's also, you know, to kind of your point and like returning the sense of what they were doing, I think it was about brand building, right? And and world building and making a more holistic world that people can connect to, which kind of connects to our pre-show conversation. Because like alongside the return sets happening, you had the introduction of Planeswalkers. And it was like the first time Wizards of the Coast, and you had this starting like heavily revisiting mechanics, right? All three of those things happened at the same time. And I think it was Wizards realizing, oh, why are we just throwing away all of this really, really, really appreciated IP when we can bring back Ravnica, we can bring back uh, uh, Mirrodin, we can like have characters that people like, like Jace and Liliana come back set to set to set so that there's a character through line of someone that I can relate to. And by returning the sets, you get to bring back characters people liked, right? Like Niv-Mizzet is a one of the most popular magic characters of all time and can only be in one plane. He can't go anywhere else, but he happens to be on Ravnica, which we revisited now the second most times of any set. I think he currently is holds the record for most reprintings of any card. Like he has the how most. Many, how many of them we have? We have the original, we have the original Niv-Mizzet and then there's Niv-Mizzet Draco Genius. There's Niv-Mizzet. I think there's four. Right? There's the, because there's the triple red, triple blue one. And then there's the there. five color one. Oh, right. Uh, yeah. Niv-Mizzet Reborn is what he called. After, yeah. The, I mean, he, he's seen modern play. <laughs> yeah, that card's really good. Um. So yeah, so there's been five, four versions of him and then you can, you can look at like stuff that were like kind of their printings of it, but I think he currently is tied or holds the record for most non-Planeswalker characters being reprint, like getting new cards. Um, and by doing that, you build a brand, you know, like you can then do D&D books about Ravnica week. They could do a TV show or a movie moving forward. You're given a lot more access to expanding this world. And I think that's when this started happening. And so the first set that we're going to talk about is is kind of at the very beginning of this is the set that introduced Planeswalkers. They were uninvolved with the story. They just happened to be a card type in that set. And I think is like one of the weirder sets about going to doing a revisit because of the structure of the world. And that is Lorwyn and Shadowmoor. Yeah, Lorwyn, Morningtide, Shadowmoor, Eventide. This is the immediately post-Time Spiral set. Um, you know, there was a boom in Magic around this time of players getting back into the game um well, it wasn't know, here though it was right after right like this is the this is this in charge of the lara block were like the last two sets of and we'll talk about shards in a second of like the lowest not the lowest point in magic but one of the low points in magic and and m10 and the introduction of zendikar and fetchlands whatever was the big like comeback moment yeah i guess i was sort of thinking because I, I if i recall correctly mirrodin's a pretty big set like Mirrodin was Mirrodin and, and like Ravnica were like relatively popular. So that that initial card face change 
Uh, and so I know this was part of the time when there was an upswell, but I know that it, like, like you said, it had kind of, and this is also the time when they talk about New World Order, one of the sets that was a major issue was this set. Um, and so I, I actually played this set. I played it extensively. I was drafting it every single week. I drafted all of these different ones. It didn't occur to me really at the time, I think, how unique the design was from a from a world perspective and looking back how different it is from almost anything else that we've seen and how that could be a turnoff to some players. Yeah, I think I think this one's interesting for a few reasons, right? It well, it it so for those who are like kind of going back, it, it was the first time they did four blocks in a single story. It was before they went to do corsets every year in fact it was the last set before they started doing corsets every year and so instead of a corset in that summer block moment they released uh the fourth set for shadow more it also is um from a theme perspective there are no humans the only humans that show up in the entire block are the planes the, the three four of the five planeswalkers um that were introduced in the set uh and it's like a storybook fantasy world that uh becomes like a dark version of it it has a like a life cycle where it goes from like happy fantasy bright and sunny to like dark grim fantasy and it goes back and forth but it's like all very cutesy fairies and kithkin and goblins and giants and dwarves it's kind of like if you took Eldraine on some level but it's a little bit less rooted in classic fairy tale like gingerbread man it's like almost like if you took Eldraine and gave it a facelift that resembled like the dark crystal or something like that that's kind of what it ends up feeling like. It's got this weird sort of like, because like Kithkin, like just in general. And it's funny, it's like one of the planes where like elves fit perfectly. You do feel like elves would be running around on Morwen. Uh, and yeah, you have exactly, you have all these these well, weird and fairies. Kithkins, Kithkins are hobbits, right? Like that was the first attempt right. by wizards to create hobbit characters. And and yeah, it is kind of very Lord of the Rings-esque. And I think Eldraine's kind of the problem with the return of this. I think Eldraine was made to kind of take a lot of the tropes that you would do on a Lorwyn Shadowmoor plane and and do it there. Now, Lorwyn is the most tribally focused plane ever yeah. in the multiverse. So that the the whole new world order thing is that after this set wizards realized that for limited onboard complication needed to be heavily reduced. Shadowmoor was a set where like the amount of things a player had to keep track of because you had to like keep track of are you a uh shaman are you a goblin are you an elf on every creature and then does that creature has the ability to tap to give creatures plus one plus one that are shamans and then that one taps to give uh goblins death touch and that one gives you know uh uh gold creatures fly like it was so many little it's, fiddly... it's silver guild dowser is the card that always comes to mind for me when i think about this if i recall correctly it's blue one for a one two and it's a merfolk and it's tap Target creature gets minus X minus O until end of turn, where X is the number of merfolk and fairies you control. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's a common. It's like an extremely playable common. But it's not even parallel. It's not minus X minus X. It's minus X minus O for a combination of two different creature types. Right. And so I think I, it's a merfolk wizard or like a merfolk something. So for me to be able to figure out the combat math on what I'm attacking, I have to both keep track of how many merfolk changelings and fairies my opponent controls plus keep track of how much open mana they have because fairies often had flash so for me to be able to successfully attack with my creature and not let it die or understand what kind of math i'm doing i have to play like 3d chess with myself and 
it but like when new world order was first kind of presented it was like one of those like be hated conversations that was like it was like you're making magic less complicated you're making it easier for new players which like on one hand as soon as new world order was put in place it had the largest increase in magic players not of all time but basically it's been a upward it was a giant jump and it's been an upward growth moment since then um the game itself though started just removing complexity at common that is all new world order was that's that, what it means like, the yeah, super- new world order was a was in 2010 it was an article that was released that was supposed to explain basically the combination of m10 and lorwyn morningtide shadowmore eventide plus the alara block and the issues they had presented ultimately so going forward it was supposed to make magic i mean this is duels of the planeswalker they made a tablet version of magic essentially mm-hmm. they, they did all of these things to try to get players involved at the entry point and it worked and it worked they made commander decks within a year of this uh you know pre-cons they really leaned into what magic has become really like like you can truly look at the the turning point of magic is exactly there and so yeah, Lauren. And- yeah, like, like the Duels of the Planeswalkers, which was a video game that I know a lot of people joined because of. You have the M10 core set where you now have new cards being added. So the core set is now a product that new and old players want to buy. The introductions of Planeswalkers where you now have characters that are being promoted as characters that you can relate to and will see in subsequent sets, right? Like literally the first one that came out after Planeswalker showed up, Ajani was there. The second set had both Chandra and Jace. You had this continuation of characters that you cared about. And... You had new villains like Nicol Bolas. You had the Eldrazi show up. You had returning classic villains like that three year period ending in Return to Ravnica and and Innistrad is this massive creation of positive momentum forward for the entire franchise, not just in a gameplay perspective, which had a ton of ups and downs in this period, but mostly positive, but also just in character, world building, brand building and player base. Yeah, magic changed a lot. And, you know, there were there were major changes that had happened just shortly before this. Like, I mean, we're talking about Lower and Morningtide like it's way past the original Mirrodin, but it wasn't, right? Mirrodin was 03, this was like 07. So it was only four years earlier they had changed the card face. And that wasn't like a small change. Changing the card face on magic made it feel like to an old magic player who came back, it was like, oh, you guys made this Pokemon. What is this? Mm-hmm. Like, that's what it felt like, you know? Like, they were looking for... They were looking for any any and every way they could to figure out ways to carry magic to the next era. And again, when I think about old magic at that time, like it felt like magic had already been around forever. It felt like it was this really old game. They had figured it out. Why were they changing it? Well, magic only came out in 93. It only really got popular and started to be like a big deal in like 95, 96. So by the time they made the change with the, with the mirror and card face, they would they've been really popular for like six or seven years right since since that change and literally since new world order we're, we're now we as much magic or more magic has passed since that change like we're in we, we are further into the new era than magic had even existed at that point and so i think it's very interesting to look at what they've done since and that's where the conversation today starts with Lorwyn, Morningtide, Shadowmoor, Eventide. So did you, you didn't play any of these sets or right before you came in, right? Uh, so the first set I bought was, uh, I, I, once I came back to Magic, was the, like right between the this and the neck and, and Shards block, right? I bought the Teneb Time Spiral Precon deck and I bought the Noggles, the blue-red spell uh, ever, uh, I think it's Shadowmoor, Shadowmoor Precon deck. And those I are forgot like the that first... Noggles are important to you because you bought that. That's, yeah, that's, yeah, that's, yeah. That's Noggles, the are, Noggles are, are a deep, deep 
piece of my heart that I love. And that's like, that's something that's cool about this. Like it has a lot of really cool creature types. Now, like going back, should we return? It's, it's one of the hardest sets for me to like really discuss kind of returning to one. I think like a hybrid, that's one thing we didn't mention with the new world order conversation is hybrid was also a part of the set, uh, especially the second, the second set. And like that itself was also a really complicated mechanic from a drafting perspective, having all of these and or cards made it really hard to like figure out which colors you should be in or whatever. But those, those to me are like a really cool mechanic that they leaned really deeply into. I think we could return to shadow more. It would have to be something smaller. I think like of all of the sets we're going to talk to today, I think it's like the most irrelevant to the overarching world and stories and what's happening. It, is also like the most redundant due to Eldraine coming out and Eldraine being like a lot of the things that this set was, but done in a way that fits better with what's going on in magic with characters from it that are important. Um, I think you run into the problem that it's the, of all the sets we're going to talk about, it's the oldest. And so I think the problem that you run into is because they've explored so much new design space for new planes, almost everything that it did well has been done, not just in, in, uh, in, in Eldraine, but it's from a mechanics perspective, from a thematic perspective, almost all of it has been just explored across other sets since then in, in kind of major ways. So going back to do any one of those things, it almost is like, where's the identity? And the biggest thing you would go back to is you would do a super tribal heavy set. You'd go really into tribes, but then like you look at something like um, the rogue party mechanic or something like that, you know, and you've, you've had things that have kind of already made reference to like, you know, heavy different types of, of tribal being extremely important. I mean, Ixalan, like you've got a set mm -hmm. that had vampires and merfolk, you know, and had uncommon lords. Like it's already happened in a bunch of different ways. I, I do. I do think that if you return to, I mean, a, a, this is a great set to go to, to like re infer positivity on like the goblins and elves and merfolk. Like, right. This is a set that is like very much supportive of some of magic's key tribes. And it does have that classic feel to it, which Eldraine has a little bit less of. Um, I also think that like on the, like, I, I think this would be a great set for a battle bond, like return, like not do it in a standard set, do it as a, like figure out a cool storybook esque limited format or something like that, that leans into this world, or maybe even just do an unglued set on this plane. Like, I think that would be pretty cool, especially now with the new acorn technology where like not every car, like you can have black border card and non-black border cards in in the set together so you can kind of revisit stuff and provide stuff or like do like if they lean more commander legends that are more thematically tied to a place i think a commander legend set but on Laurel i think End i think you're cool. i think premium expansions i think commander legends is a great place the other thing is i remember in the first modern master set we went back and used a lot of stuff from this giants were, were brought back we had some stuff that that came from this plane so i could see if they were to do like modern horizons three if you wanted to throw Kithkin in as a tribe, like you wanted to design some Kithkin cards like and throw them in, you could have some fun with that. I think that's probably the best place, though. You and they've done that, right? That work. Magic yeah. Origins, a, a tenth of the set was on Lorowin because it was it, each of the ten different color combos were one of the places each of the five face Planeswalkers either were born in or Planeswalked to first. So... We return uh, Nissa planeswalked to Lorowin from Zendikar, her very first time tele like planeswalking, and she she joined the like Lorowin elves, and that's where we got all the Lorowin elf content. Um, yeah, of all of the planes we're going to talk about today, like I think there's other ones that we can return to. This is the one that feels the most like 
even Kamigawa, I think we're returning to makes more sense. Yeah, it's 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 an interesting problem. Uh, the next set we're going to talk about, though, and another gold set. And I think another reason that Shadowmore and was kind of like. I think one of the reasons this is also a little unpopular is that for Wizards Head, for some reason, they didn't realize that hybrid mana and gold mana were the same thing to people. Like they made some weird disconnect where they thought, no, that's and and this is or and they mean totally different things. And I think that's also some of the conflict with hybrid mana and commander. But we return, we go to Shards of Alara block, the first three color themed set uh, that also had a third set that was 100% gold cards. Yeah, I, I didn't play during this. So I I, st- I stepped out and then I came back after this. Um, and I missed this year. I was moving to L.A. at the time. Um, I think I moved during, this was like the final year I was in Seattle and then I moved to LA for good. Cause I, I want to say this came out, this was like, oh, oh, eight, oh nine kind of a thing. Um, and I moved in the summer of oh nine. So I had kind of missed this, uh, as I was getting ready to go. I remember looking at some of the cards, like on my phone, like I remember, you know, cause obviously we had like the next set of planeswalkers who, who came in, you had Sarkon and, and, and various people. Uh, I think that Conflux is a, is a cool, Sorry, not Conflux. Alar Reborn is the, is the all multicolor set, right? Correct. I think it's a cool idea. I think this set kind of makes my head hurt. I don't like the like creature with power fiber greater theme. There's stuff in the set that's not my favorite overall. Yeah, so so for the, those who don't know, this is the set that like introduced the five shards of magic, right? You have Esper, which is blue, white, black. You have um, Grixis, which is blue, black, red. You have uh, Jund, which is red, green, black. Naya, which is red, green, white, and Bant, which is blue, green, uh, white. So it's the allied five-color, three-color combos, and each one had a different mechanic. Bant, uh, the, the the blue, green, white plane, had Exalted, so if you attacked with one creature, every creature with Exalted, it would get plus one, plus one from that. That's where Noble Hierarch is from. You would have Jund was a, a devour mechanic, so when you play the creature, when it enters the battlefield, you can sacrifice X amount of creatures, and it would get a plus one, plus one counter equal to a number equal to how many you sacrificed uh you had unearthed out of grixis which was uh kind of an old version it's like creature flashback you can play a creature from your graveyard uh for x amount of mana and it would be uh, exiled at the end of turn uh you had esper was just colored artifacts which is now just like an evergreen ability that they've realized but at this point it was like the big novel thing that had never been done before other than like one card in time spiral block uh it was actually supposed to be a mechanic in scars of mirrodin block but because it was needed for esper they like pulled it forward and they were like an artifact matters set and then um naya had a creatures with power five matter mechanic and it kind of i agree is my least favorite of those five by a pretty wide margin um, they always just feel they all just feel clunky like the, why would you ever go for the payoff kind of a thing yeah. and i don't have a great deal of affection for this for this block overall there are things and there are certainly cards from the set that i like but overall this is where path I exile don't, comes from noble hierarch the, like yeah this had also introduced I, like the second four main planeswalkers like it, it continued to johnny but then introduced elsbeth tezzeret sarkon vol and then the biggest magic villain of at this point really nickel bolus yeah, I think probably the mechanic of all the ones you just mentioned that I like the most is probably Unearth. I think I've had the most fun with Unearth overall. Um, it, you know, and, and certain Unearth cards have been especially good. Uh, what's that card called? Hell, uh, the two mana three one that Unearths for two, I think. Hellfire Elemental? Spark? Spark Hell, Elemental. Maybe Spark Elemental. Yeah, oh, I mean, there's... Yeah, the, yeah, yeah. It might be Hellfire Elemental, it, sure. 
but yeah, I mean, I, I like I like Unearth, but overall, when I think about this set, I feel like the novelty of what the set's really about, it's really just about the three color combinations more than it feels like it's about characters and story in my mind. I know they matter. I mean, obviously there's a story here, but like, well, it's, you also it's don't the care fact about, that I mean, a, the story's pretty important here, right? Like it's, it's, it is a plane that introduced four of the main characters of the story and continue to Johnny's story. So the story of the, the story of is, is that Shards of Alara, Alara is five micro planes that only have those three colors of mana available to them. And then there's a thing called the conflux in between. And Nicol Bolas basically like eats that to regain all of his power. And by doing so combines all five planes into one. And then a war outbreaks because you have stuff like Grixis and Jund who are like, you know, Grixis is like the the floor is made out of undead flesh and like Jund is just like dragons will mess you up. And then they start messing up Naya and Bant and Esper. I feel like Esper is the mechanic, the colored artifact stuff, probably the most resonant of all the mechanics from this set. Like that. Plus yeah, like but Jund I don't card, but I guess like I Cascade, just cascade as well as a mechanic is like a big feature of this format. Like I was going to say. I was going to say, like, the colored artifacts mechanic, like you said, it became sort of evergreen. Like, I almost don't think of it as a mechanic as much as I just think of it as a feature. Whereas, like, Unearth's a keyword that I just like to see on cards. I've enjoyed playing it a lot. But it's true. If it did come from here, I guess colored artifacts is, is an important new thing we got that I do enjoy. Yeah, I like that it Cascade, got added. Cascade, I think, is. Like, Cascade is the most resonant mechanic from this set by a For wide modern margin. Especially, yeah. Like, in that, like, in standard, right? Like, Jund, Jund was the bad like it was fairies from Lorwyn Shadowmoor into Jund was like the next big bad of standard that that was followed by uh Cobblade for the next set but yeah I think I think like story-wise this place matters I, I think this is a set we return to though and I think it for a few a plus I'm a little biased Kess Descendant Mage also from from Grixis uh born born and raised uh but I think the naming conventions are a reason to revisit here that's the one reason I think it's more resonant. Like Ravnica, they want to keep reminding people like, oh, why is Jund called Jund? Yeah, no, right? I agree. I, and I was going to say, I think that that's what feels like the most resonant part of this is the colors, right? It's, it's the color combination stuff. I think that's, that's where you have real affection from players. And, you know, just like, just like anything else, like if you slap the word Esper on something and, you know, you design five or six cards that are called Esper something, Five or six cards about Grixis something, people will get excited about that. That's true. I will. Those are things I like. You know, we use those phrases as shorthand expression of what it is now, and it comes from somewhere, and that makes it important. So I would I would say it's definitely more likely that we go back to this plan, I think would be beneficial more so than Lorwood Morning Tide, Shadow More Even Tide. It, it it's interesting to me, especially because I think it's the next set we're gonna talk about that it is it the like two planes for three color combo names have never been revisited. Like both of them have kind of just been avoided over time when from a brand perspective, Bant and Jeskai and Grixis are, are so important to magic. We talked about how important all this branding was to the extent that like in my heart, I believe that this set exists almost entirely because they left Ravnica and they realized how great, having each color combo have an actual brandable name versus like blue white or people calling color combos bug or America or whatever. And like yeah. actually having names for those color combos was so valuable that they were like, okay, what are the other things? All right. Three color. Let's go, go to shards. And like, okay, let's do the first five. We can't do all 10 on one set. That's like a super challenging thing with three color. And so then very quickly added to the list was like, okay, we need to name the enemy ones. And that's the next set we're going to. So, so I guess, I guess, 
final statement on this where I don't think Lorwyn and Shadowmoor are turning because of the brand value of the names. And because I think like story-wise, there like is a lot of ties to a lot of key characters, right? Tezzeret is a significant villain still in the story. Elsbeth has really important ties to Bant in this world. Um, Johnny is from here. Like this is his home plane. Nicol Bolas was very influential. What was going on here? Like this is a plane where a lot of really key characters have ties to it and the brand value. I think we're returning. I think there will be a shards of Alar return in the next five years. I just don't think there's a priority to it because there's nothing in the story that's like, we need to go back to Alara to find the sword to defeat the Phyrexians, right? It's like, if anything, it may be like, we deal with Phyrexia and then Tezzeret ends up being the next big bad and then they have to go here to get some weird Esper weapon to fight him or or it's the like, we defeated Phyrexia, let's go rest. Oh, Bant's nice. I think the next one you're talking about is what's more likely to go to in place. And I think obviously it's a different, it's a different idea, but what you mentioned is the naming convention. This is so important. And this was a set that was massively popular. And the set we're talking about is Cons of Tarkir. Now, I think, I think going back to Tarkir is for sure something that we'll see. And I think probably of all the ones we'll talk about tonight, it's pretty high on the list for me of places to go back to. Now, I didn't play a tremendous amount of Tarkir Limited. But when I have played it and throwback drafts or anything like that, I've always really enjoyed it. The design's a lot of fun. It feels to me like the more the more successful version of the Alara block in my mind. Like I connect a lot more with the mechanics. It just it feels like they had figured it out a little bit more on this one. You also play to me. Magic during this period versus <laughs> Alara block, which was like the one window you weren't playing Magic, right? No, I mean remember, I, cons had already been out. You guys had done your set review like two months or a month oh, earlier. Sure. I guess when it I came, came out on the show right in the I, middle. I didn't play cons. I mean, I, I played while cons was was a modern like a like a legal set. Yeah, but I also came back to Magic like a year after. Um, like I came back to Magic when like you know Alara was only like a year old. Like people were playing those cards, right? I played and I played standard against Jun, like against like Jun decks. So like I, that was still a part of magic that I connected somewhat to. Yeah. And, and, and so like to kind of catch up where the world went before getting there is like after Lara block, we went to Zendikar block, which introduced one of the most popular planes in magic. We've now been back to Zendikar three times. Also introduced the Eldrazi. Following that, we went back to Scars of Mirrodin. Now this is a return set that we won't talk about. I think we're returning the new, like the, the current storyline is setting up a new Phyrexian War of the Spark level event. And every set that we're going to is slowly building pieces towards that being a thing that happens, including, you know, the, the Cal time Vornicluck showed up and on uh, the next set we're going new Capena, there's there Elsbeth is involved. So there's like all these pieces building towards that story. Uh, I do believe the Brothers War prequel is happening as like a prequel to what happened, what's going to happen in the in the future with New Phyrexia and how we're going back to Dominaria this summer is about building towards that. Innistrad uh, introduced, we've now been back there three times. Then we returned to Ravnica. Then we went to Theros, which we've now returned to for a second time. And then we go to Khans. And Khans block was designed as this, like how do we introduce the 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 next five colors what are what are the lessons we learned from from uh, shards block in doing a three color set and what are the enemy colors look like and we got jeskai which is uh which is mechanic was prowess and uh a few other ones in the following sets uh because everyone had like three mechanics but over the block you had the jeskai which is blue white red you had uh teamer which is green blue red which had a 
another four power matters <laughs> mechanic. Um, ferocious had, it was called, right? Yeah, ferocious and uh, the other formidable because it was like on oh, con, yeah. between cons and 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 dragons that each mechanic changed. So it went from the abs in which was green, black, white had the like mana tap it put a plus one plus one counter and then had like sliver esque anything with a plus one plus one counter gets an ability and that became bolster in the final set you had mardu which is black white red and then you had saltai which is black green blue um and that was where delve came from and this set's extraordinarily popular some of these mechanics you know delve is one of the most powerful mechanics of all time the big like connective force were like shards of lara block was cycling uh and cascade the big connective force here was morph and then Fate Reforge had, um, what's the other version of Morph? It's Manifest. You take the top. You, so basically you have Morph, you have Proto-Morph, which I actually think should have been the Dragons of Tarkir mechanic. It should have been like Morph, then Mega Morph should have been Fate Reforged because you're like going to the past. So things are bigger and dragons are there. I mean, that name is famously dumb, but whatever. And then, Megamorph. <laughs> yeah, Megamorph. And then, and then the third set should have been Manifest because Manifest is a really cool evolution of that mechanic that they've now played with a lot. It's like a really cool way of playing with Morph creatures. Um, but it is like Morph is one like is one of the more popular ones. This is the plane for Morph. It's the plane for these three color factions. The problem is the story of Dragons of Tarkir because the plane the 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 factions that were important and made so popular no longer technically exist in the timeline that we're in. Right. So the story of the set is Sarkon Vol really loves dragons. Uh, he is from Tarkir and he like started loving dragons because all the dragons went extinct. He then goes and hangs out on Zendikar, fights Jason Chandra. They really see Eldrazi. But while he was on Zendikar, the like ghost of Ugin makes him start going crazy after Nicol Bolas kind of started making him go crazy and then convinces him to go back to his home plane. So Sarkin comes back. He's like trying to find Ugin. He finds his his like his burial place and is able to tr time travel back in time. Um and then with the, you know, the help of of just him doing stuff is able to when uh, Nicol Bolas kills Ugin, he's able to save Ugin's life. And so instead of Ugin dying and the dragons on Tarkir are born from like Ugin's spirit making dragon storms that birth them. When he died, those storms went away. So all the dragons died out. And this time he doesn't die. He's like in a cocoon for a thousand years. The dragons are able to just like hyper populate like the storms go crazy and so they go back to the future so instead of the five like shards the five the five wedges uh you now have the five dragon broods and that's where the command cycle right you have dromoka you have colligan you have silumgar you have uh ojitai and specifically all five names were like workshopped to make sure they didn't accidentally supplant the names for um ravnica that's something okay. like interesting, <laughs> like like that, like literally each of those five names were like like Colligan was made, making sure that it wouldn't accidentally supplant Rakdos as like the color name for branding. They were all chosen as like weirder to say, but that does mean going back the the shards don't exist, and that's actually one of the reasons the set that set specifically is relatively behated. The dragons of Tarkir, set dragons of Tarkir, like a combination of like Megamorph. Ironically, the set before that was like the most dragons ever printed. And then the set after that is once again, the most dragons ever printed. So it was like a little bit of weird dragon fatigue. And they kind of took away this thing that everyone had spent the last five, you know, six months loving and associate, you know, I got to choose like, I'm a Jess guy. I am a monk who like uses prowess or I'm a Mardu. I'm like raiding people in the wastes. 
and it just deleted it. <laughs> yeah, and, you're right. And it was also like a design space that people had been asking for forever, right? Like it is people since Shards of Alarvlock and really since Ravnica, people had been asking for like, okay, we know what the two color combos are. What are all the three color ones? When are we getting the enemy color factions? And then they gave it to everyone and then they murdered it. <laughs> Are we ever going to get a set that distinctly explores the four color combinations and names them? I think we do eventually. I think like the 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 problem with four color combos is that they're very. This is from Wizards. Is that they're very hard to design for. Uh, so like you run into the problem of like what is a card that what does a card that doesn't have blue mechanically do? It just tries to kill blue. Just like it's just like just like white, blue, black, red is just just like what's the anti green. Right. They've already you know? kind of talked about like how three colors is already hard. Like that's one thing that's I think hurting Shards of Larda and, and Tarkir is like going back to these places is harder for that reason. But from that perspective, like four colors even harder, right? Like, yeah, what right. is what is a does I mean like like there's like cool things. Like I think like a blue, white, a blue, red, black, green card could be like counter target spell, draw a card. Like maybe it does blue things. Hmm. But that's weird. <laughs> Why and, yeah, the, blue, anti, blue? the anti-color. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. Yeah, I think I do think that going back to Tarkir uh, and, and for the similar reason that you discussed, uh, I think with with the Alara block, but I just think it's the more popular of the two and makes more sense. It feels more like modern magic. It's newer, obviously. It's not that new, though. I mean, it's, you know, it's eight years old now. This this to me is the most popular set we have not returned to. Yeah. Yeah, like, and, and I, I, now by a wide margin with like Theros now being having been returned to and everything else being more recent. Yeah, I liked I liked a lot of the stuff from the from this set specifically. I agree. I think Fate Reforged and, and Dragons of Tarkir as sets weren't as strong, um, but I do think the plane itself has a lot to offer. So and I think we could evolve. I think we could have a pretty good time going yeah, back to it. So I think Fate Reforged. So so how we would return. I think Fate Reforged is actually a great blueprint for it, though, because I actually love Fate Reforged. It's a little underdeveloped, but they were able to balance having using hybrid mana, having the tribes as well as the like two color factions like it was able to do both. And I think that what you do if you're returning to Tarkir is you make it a revolution story where the where the the cons and uh, the different factions rise back up against the dragons. Right. You do. And there's like some setup. There's like a cycle of five cards from Tarkir that are all. like one color, the color missing from each of the different factions, uh, like rebelling against them. So it's like a white card that destroys a black and red permanent or a green card that just de- like, uh, like, you know, fights a blue red permanent or something. Sure. Right. Like sure. sure okay. mechanics it up. And yeah, it's yeah. kind of like a little bit of a hint. And some of them are definitely like, like the white one is like sand trap. And it looks like, oh, there's secretly, you know, the factions and people that used to follow the old ways are like waiting to rise up against the dragons at the right moment. And with Ugin coming back and no longer hypercharging the storms and like all, you know, all the five original cons, you know, like Anafenza is now that spirit that is like the actual modern staple. You have, um, uh, Sidisi, who is the leader of the, the, uh, the Saltai is now like the vizier, but she's like building a poison that can eventually kill Silimgar in her like chest is her whole story. That's the tutor, the five mana, like you sack exploit yeah, the yeah. tutor. So like they've set up a return that could be pretty cool. I think like a return to, to, to this set where they are like the dragons are being overthrown would be 
a really cool way to return. And I think that's a, that's kind of how you have to do it. And and looking at Fate Reforged, which is the one of the three sets that balanced both factions, both the two, you know, the gold dragons as well as the the three color, the two color dragons and the three color cons. It there's a way to do it. I think there's a path there. There's also the there's the cycle of legendaries that have the hybrid ability uh, trigger cards that I like a lot. That's, those that's are... the the fate reforged. Those are the cons yeah. from the past. They're the the either is one per faction. Yeah, exactly. Like and those are cool. That was that was a good. Too. That was a good part of it. You know the the each and then back in cons the each color uh, triad having the having the rare that wasn't overtly powered that was three colors. You know, just like mm-hmm, the rare mm-hmm. creature that was just a good creature like. Yeah. And that, like all, and, you know, they each had like kind of a distinctive rare spell. I, I, I could just easily go back and just do that again. Like you give me pretty mm-hmm. much all that stuff. And obviously, you know, we don't do three set blocks anymore. So you can jam a lot more cool stuff into one set now, which I'd be thrilled about. <laughs> um, yeah, I think I think there's like you use the Fate Reforged mechanic as kind of like a like. Rebel Alliance mechanic. The manifest yeah. is like a Rebel Alliance type of version of morph versus like dragons doing morph, and you use hybrid a lot. If you if you were able to do those two things together, I think you can get a really cool return to Tarkir that brings back the thing people loved while keeping the dragons. And then obviously, like the ending of that story is the dragons and the cons lived harmoniously moving forward, and Silumgar was murdered, but his like secondary dragon is like chilling, you know. So I think what's interesting about this is. Um... I think we both agree that that Tarkir would be a great place to go back to. Uh, and I think it will happen. It's it's of all the sets we're going to talk about. I think it's the most likely. So the Tarkir block comes out in two thousand. You know, it's 14 into 15, right? So it's it's a while ago still. Obviously, the Lower and Morning Tide sets and, and Alara, those are also pretty old. Now, the rest of the ones that we're going to talk about, they're quite a bit more recent. And they all come out in rapid succession. And I would say there's just, there's somewhat of a reason we haven't gone back. And some of that is just the fact that they came out more recently. It's sets that basically came out between 2016 and 2018. Right. Like Dominaria um, will be the first set since this era that we will be returning to. Us. Like like Zendikar, Zendikar and Dominaria. By the end of this year, Dominaria and Zendikar last year will be the first sets we've returned to basically since cons. And the sets we're talking about, I guess the first one, oh, I guess in Innistrad, Shadows of Innistrad is here, uh, is Kaladesh. Yeah, so so the first of these three that we talked about is Kaladesh and Aether Rebel. And, you know, this this comes out in 2016, 2017. It's a very successful era of magic. It's a heavy artifact-themed set. Um, heavy. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that comes from Kaladesh that was extremely problematic, the biggest of which, of course, is, like, the power of energy. Like, energy as a general mechanic was... It's one of those mechanics that's a really cool idea in theory. The functionality of it's a lot of fun. But on the whole... It's that sort of small parasitic thing that only works and is extremely powerful when it works. And then when it doesn't, like we don't have to, we don't, we're not able to use it with anything else. That combined with vehicles, and obviously there being one very, very good vehicle, are the things that I remember the most about this. And overall, I, I mean, I really like artifact theme sets. I'm, I'm kind of a fan of this set overall. Yeah, I think, I think like A, it's, it's, it's pretty well regarded because it's like very pretty, right? It's like one of the happier sets we've been to. The aesthetic of it, bringing vehicles uh, into magic is one of the cooler things it did, though 
you know, as anytime a new mechanic is created, there was a broken one, uh, Thopter Copter. Uh, it had also the, the, uh, it was the second set to have, um, the invocations or not invocations. It had the, the masterpieces, the yeah. masterpieces, which are like really gorgeous promos. It's the set that informed wizards that colored artifacts should just be an evergreen mechanic. That's on every set. They like have stated that the like energy plus once again, these like, powerful colorless artifacts are easy too easy to take advantage of no matter what the mana cost you don't have the same knobs that you have with color balance that you normally have and it's the you know every time we've ever gone to a artifact theme set they've been broken because of the colorlessness features of everything and they i think learned their lesson and that's why we're getting so much more colored mana uh based cards yeah i mean like a lot of characters are you know important to this set right chandra is from here this is her like where she's originally from Sahili ray was introduced here tezzer oh, has Sahili. to do with it because he has you know artifact themed things and he stole the phyrixian the portal that like he now can planar walk from this set and that nickel bullets used to travel from a storyline perspective there's not a lot to return to it's kind of just like a very hype set i will say of any set that we could return to or maybe period at all this is the plane that i would actually want to visit the most yeah i i mean i really love i I totally understand the colorless artifact thing is a problem i still want them to explore that i'd want to go back here and try to find a new version of that something else cool uh i still want to see them push it and try and even if it ends up being too powerful again because it's fun to me i think cards like um the white one one who becomes a three two if you have metal craft i think cards that are colored that essentially get better if you're playing artifacts i'm cool with i like cards like that they're always fun to me um and so i'm good with that the 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 ability that allows you to either put counters on your creature or make one ones was always one that i liked a lot i love fabricate i love fabricate a lot yeah fabricate was one of the most fun limited mechanics i can remember in really quite some time i think improvise is fine i think it is pretty powerful but i don't think they really overdid it I like love all the improvised cards like a lot. Yeah, I think I think if I were to return to Kaladesh, I'd love to see improvise. I'd love to see fabricate. I'd like to see like a hark back to energy uh, in in the same way that like kind of metalcraft is a hark back to affinity. Um, and ironically, sees more play in modern than affinity did <laughs> for a long period of time. Yeah, I think I think there's really cool stuff you could do. I, I I don't know if I agree that I need artifacts to be colorless, especially if it allows them to make really powerful ones that are just you know like black black to this is an artifact still. It does the exact same thing that it would have if it was colorless, but now we can make it cost four versus six. How do you feel about cards like Bomat Courier, which is essentially a colorless colorless oh. card that requires you to have red to be able to use like, like the, it totals yeah, yeah, that yeah. line. I, I don't I don't think when I say that that like every card needs to be colored artifact. I just think that they'll they'll use that technology more heavily than they did where like in this set, the only colors the only cards that were colored artifacts were the five gear hawks, right? And everything else right. was, was colorless. I think, like, I think instead of like uh, 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 Aetherflux Reservoir and yeah. and um, the the one that broke the format, the one that uses energy to cheat Emrakul in the play, <laughs> Aetherworks Marvel. Aetherworks Marvel. I think each of those would have been a cycle of like four color, but like Aetherworks, re- uh, the one that like a Panharmonicon, like all of those would have been like green, green, two, white, white, two, black, black, two, same exact cards, but yeah. in a color forcing decks to have to play the colors that make those happen. And I think that would have made the format for standard and other formats better from a health perspective versus what they ended up getting. Yeah, I think it's totally fair. Um, the funny thing about Amonkhet, or about, sorry, not Amonkhet, about Kaladesh and Aether Revolt is that 
it just feels like if we're going to go back to Kaladesh and Aether Revolt, it's not that different from the idea of going back to like a Mirrodin Scars of Mirrodin. I mean, it is obviously because they're different sets and different story things. But from a player perspective, when I think about going back there, it doesn't feel that different. Well, Mirrodin Scar Mirrodin doesn't exist anymore. Like got going, destroyed. Back, going back there is going back to New Phyrexia, which definitely feels different than going back to here. Going to like... So Kaladesh Aether Revolt kind of gets to fill that space of like happy artifact times in a way that like you can't go back to Mirrodin now. Yeah, at, at, like there's no... I don't think you can de-Phyrexianize Mirrodin. I think Mirrodin's gone forever and Kaladesh... Is there exists. some world in which... Is there some world in which uh, <laughs> we can have the new the Phyrexians try to attack uh kaladesh and like they have to defend themselves is that like a story i would make it would make me sad i i think i think it's possible i think the Phyrexians will attack a plane i like part of me feels like it's going to be dominaria just to kind of like hark back to that old story there was like a while where people thought it was going to be ixalan because there was like a card that had oil coming out of a fountain and it just ends up it's oil and we'll talk about that in a second um but yeah i think i think aether revolt i would rather them not invade i like them having a happy artifact plane that can continue not i think there's other stuff you could do there right but i don't want it to be phyrexianized i think i would rather avoid that so now we so so we unless you have anything else to say about kaladesh aether revolt we would jump then to the next set which again this is all back to back to back blocks um you and i were hanging out a lot and playing quite a bit of magic together at this time i remember so you know we talked about these cards on the podcast a lot as they were coming out we got the preview cards amonkhet hour of devastation is our next block to talk about here uh, this is another set that like the story of the block drastically altered the environment of the world right like all four of the five gods were murdered so for those it's the egypt theme set and uh wizards asked the question when they're going back to it okay which of the two versions of egypt that's famous should we go back to should we go to like ancient egypt during the heyday when everything was gold and going great or like tomb raider indiana jones style Egypt, where it's more like a destroyed civilization that you're like digging into the past. And they decided the first one, and then it ended up also being like the plane that Nicol Bolas created to create his army of Eternals. And there's gods on it. Four of them have died. Um, and now they, I believe they've also killed the three evil gods. So now only um, the red one is left. Okay, because the other ones are what? Bantu, Kefnet. Five main gods of the set, uh, one for each color, Kefnis, Ronis, uh, Oketra, and Bantu, all four of which have died and became Eternals and were part of the War of the Spark story. And then there's uh, Hazaret is the one that is still alive. And she actually gave her spear to um, the War of the Spark characters to help try and fight Nicol Bolas. And that was like one of the weapons they tried stabbing him with that didn't work. Um, she's She is there. So, so the end of that story, though, is... Everyone is killed. The main city everyone lives on in Amonkhet is destroyed, and it's become this, like, desert apocalypse land. Um, the mechanics, there's a lot of really cool mechanics there. It's, like, it's the last negative one, negative one set we'll, we've been to, Eternalize, and the mechanics like that are really cool. Um, Egypt theme in general is really sweet. There's also, like, hints, and I've, like, been on arguments on Twitter, there's hints at, like, the other gods, right? So there's, like... We've gotten the five main gods, and then we got the three bug gods. We got the locust god, we got yeah, yeah, the that. uh scorpion god, and we got the locust, scorpion, and scarab god, the black blue one. Uh, and they're like the three different colors of Grixis. There's like hints that there was a hippo god, and there's like recent artwork even that showed like the other gods that were there of like a hippo god and a wolf god and like a, a few other ones. And so I think to me, 
the return to Amonkhet makes sense. We've also gotten a new Planeswalker Basri Ket since then that's from Amonkhet and is currently interacting on Amonkhet as like a, like there's like four Gideon replacement characters that they've like introduced between Teo and Basri Ket and a few others that are like mono white characters that could take over the, the that mantle. And this one's from Amonkhet. And I think it'd be really cool to return and do an Indiana Jones version. I want them to like go through tombs and try and find the old gods and return civilization Indiana Jones style. Because Eternalize, Aftermath, these are these are mechanics that I actually enjoy. I like Aftermath cards quite a bit. Um, I think actually I think the Aftermath cards might have been my favorite part of this entire block. Um, they There was some cool design space they worked out. Eternalize feels really similar to that other mechanic. What's the other one that's just like it? Well, they're the same. It's 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 uh the first set had one version of the mechanic, and then the second one had the same. But you were you were a four four no matter what, right? Right, right. Yeah, Eternalize or Zombify or something. But Afterlife or I can't remember. But yeah, but 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 overall, like there are elements to this set that I do feel are embalm. sort of similar. It was Embalm and Eternalize, uh, and and cycling was a big part of the set. And any set with cycling is dope. <laughs> That's true. The cycling in the set was really really great. Um. I don't have as much affection for these cards overall. I don't I don't like these cards as much as I like some of the other cards. There were elements to what we did in this set that felt, again, sort of similar to some things we'd seen in other sets. But I do feel like there are certain parts I'd go back to that I'd be happy with. How do you do it now with Nicol Bolas? Like, how, how do you have another Nicol Bolas-y thing? Well, I don't think you do oh. Nicol Bolas. I think you're, 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 you're returning to see the denizens of Amonkhet who have survived and the remaining god Hazaret trying to find by, like, because basically the way, like, the world looked is that they were, like, in this special bubble that was protecting them from, like, the wastes and the desert lands outside in their, like, little oasis that Nicol Bolas was, like, building these armies. But there's a whole plane out there and you could very easily do a set where they're like searching through temples like you make Brendan Fraser era mummy. I know. I was just going to say, though, but don't you kind of feel like if you're going to make I mean, you, you and I were going to the same place with this. If you make the Brendan Fraser era mummy, don't you have people that are trying to resurrect Nicol Bolas using all of these like artifacts that they're finding? I, I think I think they're trying to resurrect the other gods, right? Because there there is like three gods or four gods, maybe that are dead and we have we don't know where they are and what happened to them. And so I think it would be like Hazaret and those people trying to find a new pantheon by like going into these tombs and trying to discover where they would be. And because Nicol Bolas isn't dead, right? Ne- the end of the world of Spark is Nicol Bolas gets locked into his little shadow realm that's like on his forehead with Ugin and Ugin. And he's had his, his, his entire power is wiped. He's lost his spark and his entire mind is wiped as well. So he doesn't remember anything. Sure. When I say resurrect, I don't mean necessarily bring back from the dead. I'm just saying like, look, if I'm imagining this as a story and I'm thinking about combing through ruins, do I care more about old ruins that are being found that reference characters from this block specifically? Or do I care about what we talked about at the beginning of this, which is like, you care about Niv-Mizzet because you know Niv-Mizzet, right? So you care about Nicol Bolas. And if he built this army in this part of this world, you're finding all these old treasures and trinkets in his face and his horns are on things. I feel like it would be hard to do it without the fan base kind of clamoring to have them try to find a way to get Nicol Bolas into this story. It could, it could be about his return, right? Like they didn't kill Nicol Bolas. So like the, he can always come back. And that could be the point is that there's some, there's some... I don't hate this. There's like some trap that Nicol Bolas planted knowing like one day I could be defeated. I know I'm super powerful, but maybe this will happen. So if you open up this sarcophagus in this temple, then my like backup spark that I like stored there when I ate up all of the conflux in Alara block 
that backup spark will like find my soul across the multiverse and resurrect me. That could be cool. I would be down with that as being. And then, like and the then the good, and then the the good characters are trying to resurrect these gods to fight Nicol Bolas in theory. So you have that kind of thing going yeah. on. And like, like I, don't that's think you, prob- I don't think you need Nicol Bolas. I think the story of like characters trying to rebuild the society and doing a like going through temples and trying to discover these other gods and bringing them back could be a fun Strixhaven like light light middle of the road not overarching plot set right but who is of the gods of the dead gods who's the most who's the most evil the most eve the the none none, four of them weren't evil right that was the whole thing they kind of all were good uh bantu is the black one but he even is like relatively well regarded because i like i'm sort of imagining this like you know this this like voldemort type of situation where one of these characters turns out to be the spirit of Nicol Bolas resurrected in the story. And it's like how it ultimately ends up. Yeah. Probably is all four of the gods, like the, the gods that died are now on war are on um, Ravnica. They're like bodies aren't even on Amonkhet anymore. Cause they like eternalize guys, and walk. If through it's not clear to you guys listening to the set, which of us is very clear on story and which of us just likes to like throw out ideas. Uh, it should be very clear, but yes, I think overall, the th- I think some of the ideas we're talking about here are cool. You know, it's it's always fun for me to have these conversations because I get a little bit more insight into what this block was really about. Whereas I just remember those gods being mythic rare cards and the names of cards, you know, like I, I, I sort of sometimes imagine, but I don't really necessarily know. So then this this wraps up this block, which I think we both of us sound like we'd be OK going back to. It wouldn't be my top of the list, but it's, I'd be OK if we did it. There are mechanics I'd be happy to see. It, as I said, it, I really loved it. And there's a lot of cool stuff to visit within the tropes of the Egypt world that they didn't do the first time. Yeah, I agree with you that I think there's a lot of space to explore here when you do go back. There's the fact that we were able to have that discussion about different fun ideas makes me feel like you could get a you could get some. The well, the well is the the like Egyptian pop culture trope. Well, is very deep. Yeah. And the old ruins, like exploring old ruins. Yeah. Like that's a cool, fun idea. Um, so our last one to talk about here is Ixalan. Ixalan block, Ixalan rivals of Ixalan. I would argue and you I believe that you and I are on the same page about this. This was the biggest disappointment given given what I expected it to be and then what it turned out to be. Like when they told us, hey, you're getting pirates and dinosaurs, uh, pirates and dinosaurs in magic next year. Have fun. I remember where you and I were talking about this. We were at a meeting in like, I think we were in like Michigan or something like that. It's hard for me to remember exactly. But I mean, I know we were in a parking lot talking about this. I remember. And we were really excited about it. And we were like, Oh, this is going to be great. How can they screw up dinosaurs and pirates? And ultimately, this set ends up feeling it's underpowered. Everybody knows that. It's one of the most lukewarm, underpowered sets. But there's just not a lot in the Ixalan world that worked enough for me that I would have any interest in ever going back. It's like very low on my list. What about you? Oh, so I think Ixalan has like the most potential in a return to do it right. Right. Like I think the problem with Ixalan is how unpowered it is and how much of a miss it was. I think like of the three sets we've talked about, it also has the most seeds of like an actual need to return because you have. So, so yes, I think, I think dinosaurs and pirates are so now ingrained as parts of magic that it'd be really cool to return. And in fact, when we've gotten hints of what's going on, like as far as story goes and as far as characters goes, really beloved set. Right. Like you people love the pirates and they love the the breaches and Malcolm, who are from Commander Legends, who are from this set. They love um, the storyline from the set is like one of the best stories, like the actual written storyline that you could read week to week, which is the story of like Jace and Braska falling in love. Like 
the the dis the disparate and this is kind of the point right like the the power level of the set versus the world of the set is the most separated of maybe any magic set ever and and i think that offers potential to wizards to revisit it like if i'm wizards i want to go back and try and show like a we can do a good job here b from a story perspective there's like beats that are important that haven't really been covered. There's a whole continent of vampires that exists that mm. like could be cool to understand more of what's going on with like conquistador vampires and uh, like Vatican esque kind of world. Uh, there's the fact that um, it's got like the interview with a vampire old, old vibe to it a little bit of those vampires. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then you have, um, uh, uh, Azor, who's like the founder of Azorius and like created one of the main weapons bullets. Like he's trapped there, right? He's one of, if you were to look at like top five villains that are still alive, Azor is one of them and he is stuck on this plane and him getting his spark back and like being a menace that people have to deal with would be cool. And that story happening would be interesting. So I think that like of the worlds, this one has like a lot, like, the wasted potential is massive, right? There, there, like a lot you can do in pirate dinosaur world without really even thinking about it. Then you add like layers of like thematically, this is the Americas set, right? This is the 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 like the New World, Lost City of Atlantis stuff, and Merfolk are here too, which is also a popular tribe. You could do like cowboy world pretty expansively on the same plane, and like mm. it's just like the other side. And there was like this whole hint of that. There's like oil in that's why people thought that Ixalan could be where the Phyrexians end up because there's oil on it, which that could still Interesting. happen. Azor being Phyrexianized is a terrifying concept. <laughs> um, so there's a lot of potential here, I think. I agree with you, though, though, from a mechanic perspective, it was unpopular. But from a world building perspective, it's pretty beloved. Yeah, I mean, the stuff that I do think worked that I remember liking the most, definitely vampires worked. Some of the merfolk tribal stuff worked. Are you a fan of the are you a fan of the uh, the flip artifacts that turn to turn into iconic lands? The enchantments in the lands. Yeah, I think some of them are. I mean, obviously, I love the blue one that. Well, there's there's two, though. There's artifacts and there's enchantments, right? There's the yeah, green. Yeah, yeah, there's both. There's you're the right. green. You're right. Yeah. You're right. The big the big there, one was um, search for his canter, right? That's like the yeah. most iconic card of those. But then there's a ton of different ones for sure. I like. Yeah, I, I'm a big fan. Treasure map. There was like, yeah, I'm a big fan. Like from a, a top down look at this set i love it it's the like bottom up of like oh there's not that much cards here that are super powerful it's like kind of one of the weaker sets of all time the dinosaur mechanic could have been done cooler to me etc etc like there it could have been better and and i think i think one of those is it's like hard to do a four tribe um because that was like the uh, the mechanic thing they walked into this was like, can we do a set where instead of five color combos, we do four. And so they had Grixis Pirates, Naya Dinosaurs, uh, Simic Merfolk, and uh, Orzhov Vampires. And I think you kind of wanted to do a five color set here. I think like... Don't you also feel like a lot of the vibe that we got out of dinosaurs here were like trying to be real dinosaurs. And then a lot of the vibe that we ended up actually wanting just ended up being in, uh, Ikoria. Yes. Like a lot of that, a lot of that tone of like this little evolving thing that turns into this like crazy beast, this like beast with horns and wings. That, that's just like, yeah, but those are just like dinosaurs. 
basically. Those are just super cool looking dinosaurs. I'm, I'm fine with both. Like I, I like I like scientifically accurate dinosaur world and I like weird mutant Godzilla Pokemon dinosaur world. And I think there's definitely space for both of those, especially because I like that later one isn't pirate world, right? We have this is the pirate world. And I think those two things go together really well. Honestly, I just think they need more powerful cards. Like if this set had like a better mechanic for dinosaurs and like 20% more powerful, it's like one of the most beloved sets of all time. It just tribal is weird because especially tribal, like every time they've tried doing tribal, that's like not one of the main tribes. It's weird. Yeah. They right. have to create a bunch of new stuff. I mean, it's because you have to do everything you can to try to differentiate that tribe from stuff that already exists, which means that ultimately you're going to under or overpower it. Plus, it doesn't play well with others because it doesn't exist otherwise. Like, you don't have this big wealth of stuff. You know, when you try to design a two-mana merfolk lord, like, yeah, that's great. We're going to get excited about that or a vampire version because obviously we're excited to have those cards. When you're like, hey, I'll make a pirate version, it's like, well... Hopefully you make enough really cool pirates here that I'm completely attached to this. But if you don't, it's going to feel like a miss. And I think I think since then they've done that, right? Like going back to Pirate World, we now have Pirate is one of the most supported job tribes in Magic now because they've gone back to it a few times. I would love to go back to Ixalan. I think there's cool stuff you could do there. There's storyline that can continue. And like just from a wasted potential perspective and like there's like, like I love Explore, like Explore is a very cool mechanic. And I know some Agreed. Magic designers that have said like that is one of the favorite. Me- I think Andrew Brown said it. Andrew Brown said Explore is the best mechanic they've made. And like so cool. And like I'm down to explore more of that. Pun so, intended. So so, so that- I know we have to wrap up, but I do want to ask you one question. Because there's there's a bunch of sets that like literally have come out in the last two years or three That's years. That's what I was just going to get to. Yeah. So I, I was, this is what I was going to do. We talked about Eldraine already kind of when we talked about Lorwyn. Uh, I, I think Eldraine's a fun set personally. I mean, I like it. I don't love it. I don't know that I would necessarily need to go back. What do you think? I think returning to Eldraine. I think it was like any set that's super powerful is more popular and therefore more likely to return. I think it'll be a while because this one is like, it is one of the weird sets where I think people are a little less on it than other ones for, because of how powerful it was. It's not like beloved, like Mirrodin is, even though Mirrodin broke the formats in half or like Zendikar. I do think like it was set up to be a place where they will return to at times. Uh, And it'll be interesting to see how long it takes for that to happen. The mechanics from it, too, are really cool, right? Food's really popular. Uh, Adventure is really popular. So I think those two together make it also worthwhile to be revisited. I think the, like, big thing is that Oko is going to be a much bigger character moving forward. Like, I think I think he has appeared to be a face of magic based on how powerful he was. Like, people that, like, people know who Oko is in similar ways to how people know what Black Lotus is I, Lodi yeah. are, right? So I think that's more likely to show up in the future as a ramification but like two main characters are from there right like will and rowan are set up as are being set up as one of the main characters moving forward so i will go back um this next one is the one that i'm the most excited to talk about so we can spend a minute on this at least icoria lair of behemoths icoria is a set that when it came out um you know the set was released and we were newly in the pandemic this was released into the pandemic so it's a weird set in the sense that it's the first part of magic's history in my memory that doesn't have a big communal play experience it's got a zoom play experience and it has like i really had to get comfortable with these cards talking about them more than being at a gp or a like and i didn't open it there's not it, it feels like a set that was almost like a distant memory even though i love it actually and you know and when we did our commander league last year two years ago now Yes, probably two years ago now. I bought a box of this. You know, that was really fun to build a commander deck out of this box and play against you guys. And I like that experience. So I'm a big fan of Ikoria. I like the more I've thought about it in retrospect, 
the more I'm a fan of it. Obviously, companions are a problem. This would give them an opportunity to fix companions. Or not do them, right? Like, they're, they're not, or like, do them differently from a, like, not have that mechanic exist, but have like buddies that are your car. Yeah. I, Mutate's not my favorite. I, love, I, <laughs> I love, think it's okay. I love Mutate. Uh, uh, this is my, like, kind of the build on you. Like, it's, Strixhaven is close, but I think this is my favorite set since Shadows over Innistrad. Okay. I like, I like, the more I think about Ikoria, the more I like it. I even like Companion from a commander perspective. I don't think it's great for modern. We talked about that last week, but uh, like, A, I love three color sets. I love cycling. I love all the creature types. I love, I love ability counters. I think that's such a cool mechanic. Yeah. Uh, I really love, I like, like uh, my Vadrock Mutate deck is one of my favorite decks, even though I don't play it as much on stream because it's like 10 minute turns of me just like, storming off but like it's such a cool world the fact that it's like pokemon meets godzilla too is something that like i'm all in on and i i would love a return dicoria and i would be surprised if we didn't return the godzilla tie-in was a, was really successful um it makes it a lot of fun i just think a lot of the i think a lot of the the stuff in this set that i like the most is the like liger and the like all the all the weird all just like the weird hybrid creature beasts things like they're just sweet yeah. and they're sweet to have alternate versions of the comic book art that goes along with the set is one of my favorite things we've had again opening a box of this was so much fun it was one of the first like real distinct memories that i had in a long time of just like liking all of the cards i opened like being genuinely excited about them so yeah triumphs were really popular i expect it will go back and get the rest of the triumphs there's just five of them right yeah, I think there might be a, like there's a there, we're all hoping they're on new cabinet. The problem is you have to go to a set that has cycling and is shards. So it also yeah. is like. Could just be a new Modern Horizons three thing, right? Because it, it's hard to get that exact combo, though, if we mm-hmm. return to that's a reason to return to Alara is that Alara is another plane that is three colors and has cycling. Yeah, yeah. But I think I think you and I agree. Uh, Ikoria would be really high on the list. And then after that, you're talking about literally the last year of magic. I mean, the, so, yeah. And I will, we can, I will we say can, one last thing on like Corey is like story wise, there's not a big reason to revisit. That is the one knock against mm. it is there's not a lot. It kind of came out in like the black hole of post war, the spark story. Not existing uh, where they like kind of deleted every book that they were writing. It's storyline is also a little all over the place and is just like trying to make that red, white planeswalker happen in a way that he kind of sucks. So uh it's another reason why i think i mean it's truly another reason why i think it it feels the way that it feels as a set like it it being released into the pandemic and then also being kind of a deleted set on some level makes it this funny this funny distant memory of a set that i think probably if it had come out a year earlier uh there's a decent chance would have probably been more iconic but i think we're i think we'd revisit it right i think the world is really cool there just isn't that i know of a good story need to revisit it and that doesn't mean there can't um so our last two sets here the first one i'm going to go real fast on because i do not care not a big fan of caldheim don't need to go back to caldheim it's wild how little i care about caldheim it's yeah. wi- like yeah i don't maybe like I, i'm fine if chat please let us know if you disagree and you like love cal time i want to know what you love about it I, I think part of it was hurt by snow being so featured in modern horizon dude i i know exactly why i think cal time is not a, i mean it's not even about it not being a good set it's about i don't think it's a great set i think it's number one i've mentioned this before it's the first set that i can remember feeling ex- was like very overcomplicated. there was a tremendous number of words on cards that had a lot going on 
But overall, the design of Kaldheim feels super similar to like a lot of the vibe of Ice Age, which is really boring. It's like one of the old, boring parts of old magic that just feels like kind of like generic Viking stuff. Like it just feels very like what you would expect. And it's not even the cards weren't cool. Some of the cards that come from Kaldheim are cool, but this doesn't feel like it's breaking new ground. Like going back to Kaldheim to me is just going to Snow Dominaria basically in my mind. Like that's how it feels. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think like part of it to me is that Snow, I kind of got over Snow after Modern Horizons 1 came out, right? And then this like reintroduced Snow again. I was like, I'm kind of sick of this. And mechanically from a gameplay perspective, it's not that interesting to me. I like the gods some of them, but I kind of also think that a lot of them are misses and I wish they were gold maybe. And maybe I would like them more because they could be more viable in commander. Yeah, I I'm on kind of a miss. This is like definitely my least favorite. Honestly, I think it might be my least favorite of every set we talked about today. And then the last set, which is just a current standard set, uh, we're we're within. Yeah, I mean, you know, we're not even a year removed from it is Strixhaven. And I, and I, I haven't played a lot of Strixhaven. It was it was a set definitely that came out, obviously, in a time when I was not playing in person magic and I wasn't playing digital magic. So we reviewed it. I've talked about a lot of the cards. I played some of the cards. You know, I like the set. I, I do think there's just a very high likelihood we go back to this. It feels like they launched this set. It felt like they're like, this is going to be one of our places because like like Ravnica has kind of been destroyed. They're looking for places. There's a whole storyline where Kazmina is being set up as one of the next bads after Phyrexia, where she's kind of putting together evil Avengers of students. They like are did a lot of world building. There's the D&D book based on the Strixhaven set and like not like how time didn't get a D&D book, right? Like it, it, it definitely was set up as this like this is a cool, unique world that we think we can build off forever. And it is like magic's Harry Potter, right? And like, it came out at a time. And one of the reasons I was so excited by it was a, like Lorehold was able to fix the Boros problem for me, right? It gave red, white, a color combo that I probably associate with the most or that in like blue and evolved it to the point where mechanically it was something I like doing versus what I, like I greatly dislike, uh, like attacking is fun. I guess math is terrible. Uh, they built that like everyone choose your school, which was really cool. Harry Potter also sucks now for reasons uh, that we don't need to go into, uh, but mostly because its creator is also not good at making content and also not a good person. But this is a way for me to experience similar things to what I liked about that franchise, but within a franchise I like, uh, like magic. So I, yeah, I don't know. I'm like all in. I bought the scarf. I have like two different jackets from Strixhaven down to go back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it makes sense. It's it's like this set's kind of tailor made for you in some ways. Like Lorehold is kind is kind of like just you. It's like sort of you and a lot of what you love. But then again, like so is Harry Potter world. Like so much of the set is like kind of made for you. I feel like this is the most Alex Kessler of the sets that have come out, like maybe ever, honestly. Yeah, like Ikoria too, right? Yeah, I like it's it's really cool. Uh, I also I think this one is hurt the most by not being a two like by like leaving blocks, right? Because you like. You got to set up a world and then nothing like they like defeat the like really lame. And this is the problem with your um, returning the Amonkhet, right? Like Strixhaven had this. There is a bad guy. He's evil. We have to defeat him. OK, we defeated him. And it's like, OK, you didn't build this character in a way. It didn't have the like nine months of Xenagos, right? Where Xenagos like started in set one, became a god, and then Elsbeth kills him You of Theros, right? It was just like oh, here's a bad guy. He's got one card. He shows up in another card. And then here's a third card where they kill him. Uh, yeah. That's the whole story. And versus like if they had set up Theros and then the second set was them defeating the whatever Voldemort of the set, then I think that's a lot 
extras or whatever his name is that's i think a more interesting that would have been interesting right or set up kazmina more as the villain you know like like i, I that's the one regret i have from this set is like story-wise so post Strixhaven, because I'm, I'm with you i'd love to go back to Strixhaven. uh we're not going to talk about in, in the industrial sets because obviously we've gone back a bunch of times dungeons and dragons adventures in the forgotten realm is the last set um are, are you satisfied with this set would you want to go back to this world it was cool. I mean, we are, right? We're going to Baldur's Gate. The next Commander Legends set is going to be also a D&D set. They're, like, combining them. You know, it's it suffers maybe the most of, like, the power down. Like, Strixhaven also had this problem in Kaldheim to a certain extent where, like, power level was decreased at this point, finally. Um, it's fine. I, I, I thought it was great. I, like, know nothing about D&D lore. Even the D&D campaign I'm doing now is 100% world builded generated by me so I don't know anything about any of the characters I really like yeah. my Varus deck the commander deck I built off of it I think there's like cool commander cards treasures are cool too I liked dungeons yeah it's fine I would, dungeons, I would go are, back. Du- dungeons are the dungeons are the thing for me that I would like I'd like to see again I think dungeons are cool I think it's a cool introduction uh, but yeah it's a set it's another set that has a huge amount of text on the card so I have a little bit of a disaffection for it I hope they like I hope they move away from doing that. I, I don't want to see set after set after set where they're like, we have to find ways to like make these interesting. So here's a million lines of text. I just, I don't know. It's for me, it's like makes, it makes my consumption of the set more difficult unless I just invest completely. My like once over on a set is harder to like, grasp, but it's all it. going on. Yeah. yeah, that's fair. I think they're getting better. And I think that's a little bit of a flaw of the double face cards. Right. Yeah. Like, I don't think that's been as much of an issue since we returned to Innistrad, even though they do have double face cards, but it's like more like the werewolf mechanic. I think that the last thing is, is, is because, because, you know, next we go to Kamigawa, which we talked about two weeks ago. Uh, and then next year, there's a big event between going to Dominaria and then a flashback to the Brothers War, which I think is going to be really cool. I think it's possible that kayaking, which is the unrevealed set for next spring, could be a continuation of that story. But Streets of New Capena, are, are you excited? I don't really know much about it. So it's, I, think it's I remember like, when they did. I think they, I remember when they did a little bit of the previewing of like what it's going to kind of the vibe is. But that's, that's all I know. Right? It's like it's Art Deco, New York City, 1920s mobster family. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And three color, three color demon factions. Yeah, we talked about this. I remember when, when the, with that episode. Now I remember because it's got that Batman animated series kind of vibe, except it's like Batman animated series meets demons. Yeah. Elspeth um, is going to yeah. be there. I have a feeling it's going to be the like. Ikoria to Khan's block. This will be the shards of Alara block. Like it'll be the the Nyagrexis Dominaria, but with demon families. So yeah, that seems really fun. Yeah, that seems really fun to me. So, cool. yeah. all right. So uh, that is it for this episode. So uh, first off, big shout out to our patrons again. Thank you so much for for helping this podcast. We are about to add a bunch of new content there. If you want to get early access, both the edited content as well as the early show that we do, make sure to check out the Patreon at two or five dollar levels. Uh, plus, there's going to be more stuff. We're now doing modern streams every Sunday afternoon at 2 p.m. PST. Ben is going to have a whole slew of awesome guests joining to play games of modern. We are still doing our commander stream every Monday night. So if you want to hang out and see some commander every Monday night, once again, with really cool guests. Also, make sure to check out Battle Bosses. If you go to battlebosses.com, uh, it's a game that I worked on. Ben has been a big part of making it happen as well. Uh, and you get all these cool collectible characters you can buy. We're now finally shipping all the pre-orders. And if you order it now, you can be part of that first wave of pre-orders that go out next week or this week, I guess, because next week is when I'm recording this. But time is weird when you record ahead of time. Uh, and uh, yeah, Ben, anything else you want to shout out? 
Uh, no, just thanks for listening, guys. We be, be sure to check out our sponsor, TCG Player. If you use our affiliate code, you can find below when you're buying your cards, any of the fun cards we talked about tonight. It is hugely helpful for the show, and it is one of the major things that keeps this show going. So please, if, you, uh, if you're going to buy your cards, use that, that affiliate code. And otherwise, yeah, thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. I'm going to be announcing some stuff pretty soon here. I'm getting healthy again, so I'll be announcing uh, tour dates for the summer as uh, that tour that I had to postpone will be in probably June, July, August. That'll be coming pretty soon. And uh, yeah, so thanks for supporting me as I get through this. All right. Thanks, everyone. And we'll talk to you next week. Bye, guys. This has been a production of Time Traveler Media, sending podcasts into the future.